Okay. First, everybody bear with me. I'm coming down with a cold. So hold on. I'm holding on. So I have God has the power to provide. <laughs> God has provided for me and my family in the little things and in the very big things. And even though he showed himself to be that awesome, I still held on to providing for my family my way and found security in that. Growing up, EBT was a debit card. <laughs> Everyone had it. It was okay. It was a necessity. You scrounged. You hustled. You made your way. You had nebuleos. You sold limbes. You did whatever you had to do to make sure you had a plate of food in your house and fed the neighbors, too. So when we came to a place, me and my three kids, my husband, all of us, um, of needing help, I applied. And... Um, but through a few loopholes, you know, a little white lie here, I live over there, I don't know him, you know, haven't seen him in a few years. So, but there was a real need, but I wasn't trusting in God to provide in that moment. And during this, without, you know, it was, we didn't talk about it, you don't publicize it. At the same time, we started to really help in church with men's breakfast, and we were asked to help with the marriage group, and VBS every year, and little by little, we started helping more and more, and really working alongside everybody from ministry in the church, and at the same time, I started to grow and study my word, and connect, and really worship, and get close to God, and then I realized that I was really trusting my own hustle, that I was trusting myself to get by for my family, and I found security in the world, in my part-time job, in my cupones, in the WIC, in whatever that I had to hold on. That's what I was trusting in. And then one time, you know, as God always works, he has, you know, a way of putting things in your brain. It was time to recertify. And if anybody knows, that's always a hustle. It's always get your papers together. Got to be there for the whole day. And while I was getting ready for that, I was like, I don't want to lie. I don't want to lie, and I don't want to jump through another hoop. I don't want to jump through another, and I'm not trusting. And I prayed that morning, and God put it on my heart, and he basically, like, literally in my head while I was praying, he was like, I have more for you. I've given you a brand new life than the life you came from and that you've known your whole life. I've healed your son. Um, I've blessed your marriage. I've made you a brand new person, and you don't think I could provide groceries. You know, but go ahead, go to the office. I didn't. So I talked it through with my husband, and in me talking with my husband, I really decided that I wanted my walk here in church to match what I was really living outside of church. And that was one place that I was always struggling with. Am I, you know, am I being honest? Am I being totally transparent? And if any of you have me on Facebook, I'm a pretty open book. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm holding on. Said, but I knew that what God had provided for me and would provide for me would be more than enough. And so we budgeted. It wasn't like a day overnight. We did budget in our groceries a little at a time, and we really haven't looked back. And for instance, it's always been <laughs> a sale. It's always been somewhere that literally whatever I wanted or needed was available. There was always a gift card. There was always a, hey, Daisy, I have this extra. Do you need it? We have never really ever in the year that has passed have ever needed anything. And I've never worried about it either. And that's a bigger thing because I'm always worried about food. If anyone knows me, I am a food person. I like to feed. I like to 
that's just the way my brain works. And I've never worried about it. We eat very well. Plus, this is where God does more than what you think. Everywhere you invite me to or that I go, but don't invite me now because then you're going to know this, but you know. Um, <laughs> I always bring food and not little trays of food. If you know Daisy, I come through with big trays of food. We've had, had holidays. We have had holiday parties. I've done birthdays. I've helped out cooking for the church, and that was through God. It wasn't through me. I've been able to see God multiply things in my hands. I've seen God multiply things in my shopping cart. I've seen, I was able last summer to feed VBS for three whole days. We, God just multiplying and multiplying, and that had nothing to do with me. And, but that had to do with me letting go and me allowing him to provide. And so... 2 Corinthians 9, oh, sorry. <laughs> also in that, it broke the cycle finally for me and my kids. They finally know I saw my mom do it, my mom saw her, you know, and so on. Finally now my kids see that we trust in God and we pray every day before we eat. We pray every day. Sometimes in the car, we're about to go food shopping. Let's pray, guys, you know, God provide, make a way. And we've, so they'll now know to the point where my children before, even when I'm rushing, they'll be like, okay, and I'll hear my kids praying, thank you for this food, thank you for how you provide, thank you for daddy's job, thank you for mommy being okay. And these things are now learned and have broken a big chain that held my whole family hostage for a long, 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 long time. So, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God will generously provide all you need. Yes. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As scripture says, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. Because God has the power to provide. So, hold on. Hold on. You know, just like Mark was saying before, he was saying, you got to plug into the source, right? So we can believe God can heal a miracle, but sometimes we can't believe that God can provide groceries, right? But well, because we're trying to plug into ourselves, but we ourselves have limits. There are limits to how many hours I can work, how many jobs I can call, get, how many people I can call on to help me. But when I plug into the source, he's God. That's how great he is and more. He is a great big God. He has the power to supply. He has the power to provide. And he does so abundantly, excessively, extraordinarily. <coughs> Sorry. On day two, our kids are going to learn about the prophet Elijah. And a prophet is basically a messenger from God. So God speaks to the prophet, and then the prophet shares with the people. So Elijah comes out of this great victory, and then he learns that Ahab and Jezebel want to kill him. They're out to kill him, and he hides, and he's afraid, and he's scared. After a great, huge victory, he has just conquered all the sorcerers of Baal, but he's afraid. So what happens? God calls to him, but he didn't come in the storm or in the earthquake. He comes in a whisper. And that's what happened to me. Last year, I was diagnosed with a heart condition. And I was scared. I have something that is the leading cause of a sudden heart attack. And as many of you know, I plan everything. 
So as soon as I heard that, I had to make sure my life insurance policy was okay, that everything was taken care of, because I know that God can heal me, but I also know that sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says wait. So, you know, I have to prepare better than God sometimes, and I had to, and you know, you can't prepare better than God, but I had to get all my ducks in a row, so to speak. And the worst part about it was not the diagnosis, because I know God is bigger than a diagnosis. The worst part about it is that it makes you so tired. It's a fatigue that you can't understand. It's a fatigue that makes putting on makeup hard, <laughs> worshiping hard. You know, um, sometimes just standing for a long time, it makes it hard. It's exhausting, and you just don't want to do it because the medication causes you not to have adrenaline. So any, and all of you know me, right? I'm hyper, I'm dramatic, I'm always moving. So for me not to have adrenaline, basically what happened to me is I became dead inside. I didn't feel. So these great moves of God, but I still was trusting, right? I knew that God can heal. All right, so I'm just going to keep going. And I would sit in the front and I would say, wow, look at this great move of God happening and feel nothing. I would see people healed and great testimonies. And I would see people speaking with great authority. And I would look at them and say, wow, they're speaking with such authority. But I was so numb. I have to tell you, I felt dead inside. And I didn't want to complain. I felt if I complained or if I had people pray for me that it would kind of feel like I wasn't having faith, that I wasn't encouraged. So I just kept going. I just kept, I just kept, um, I may have to take this off. I'm not good with this fancy stuff. So, you know, um, tell me if you can't hear me. Can you hear me? All right. So take switch. They want me to switch. Okay. So what happens? Oh, much better. Okay. So what happens? I knew that God could do these things, but I started to get depressed. I mean, imagine you're having trouble putting on makeup and putting, getting dressed and stuff. And I became very, very sad. And I became very, very lonely because I felt detached. Almost like, have you ever, you know, in a dream when you know you're not in it, but the dream is happening. And that's what I felt for me. Like life was happening without me. My husband was amazing during this time. He was very patient because it affected every area of my life. It affected me helping my kids with homework. It affected me being a good wife in many ways. It affected me a great deal. But he was patient. And so he said to one of our brothers and sisters in the congregation, you know, I know you work in a place. Is there any way you could get me a good deal? I want to take my wife away. Now, women in the congregation, you'll understand when I say when he told me we were going on a trip, just him and I, I thought, oh gosh, more work. Because I thought, is this a vacation for me or for him? <laughs> so, but he was patient. And we get there, and this is what happens. We get to the place, and we pull out, beautiful hotel, and the person who's at the door says, oh, excuse me, what's your name? He says, oh, Mark Sims. Mark Sims? Wait, we have a parking spot for you. I'm like, a parking spot? And he pulls the car back, and Mark pulls the car in right in front of the hotel. And he says, are you sure this is for me? He says, yes, it's been taken care of. Then we walk in to the hotel, right? And the person at the desk is saying, oh, you're in one of our suites today. I'm like, a suite? 
<laughs> I'm looking at him like a sweep. Yes, yes. And I said, you know, and I kind of said, you know, are you sure that it's a sweep? She says, yes, it's all been taken care of. And when you're finished settling in, dinner has also been taken care of. So you can go right into dinner. So Mark and I go up the stairs. We're in the elevator. We go to the, open the door and it's like, which door? There were like four doors to get into this place. So we were like, I was like, Mark, are you sure that this is it? And he's like, yeah, this is it. This is it. So we go in and we literally did this. <sighs> if I tell you that my entire apartment fit into the living room of this place, it had a full dining room table, couches, everything you could imagine. And like floor to ceiling windows. So all we saw was Manhattan and we went, <sighs> I'm like, Mark, they're going to kick us out of this place. You know, you got to make sure that this is the right place. Well, we're like little kids. We go to dinner. At dinner, we're like, Mark, we have no money. We have no money to tip. We have no money to... She comes over to us. Don't worry about anything. It's been taken care of. All right? And oh, and you can go to the movie downstairs too. That's, that's free and that's been taken care of as well. Well, we didn't want to go to the movie. We wanted to run around the room like little kids, right? So we're like, oh, thank you so much. And we went upstairs and we just had a great time. I have to tell you, all of a sudden, I began to feel... And I laugh because it was months. This happened in December. This was September after great VBS, after all these things that this happened, right? So all of a sudden, my husband falls asleep. I can't sleep because I'm so excited. And I begin to like, I got up, I walked around, I put on the robe, I touched the warm towels on the towel rack. Like I was like a little kid. I, I saw things I didn't know. I tried them, you know? And so it was great. And I went to lie down. And I got to tell you that something incredible happened. I went to lie down and I heard the words say, it's been taken care of. And I have to tell you, I jumped up. I jumped up because in that moment, God spoke to me so I thought I heard it audibly and I jumped up and all of a sudden I began to cry and I began to weep because God began to speak to me. Now you have to understand I was dead inside. I hadn't heard God for months. I hadn't heard his voice. I was praying. I was worshiping. I was doing everything that I could do and I didn't hear God, but I knew that he was with me. So in obedience, I continued to walk and I continued to serve and I continued to do what was right. But all of a sudden, those floodgates opened up and he said, I have it covered. I have your children. I have your rent. I have your heart condition. I have the cure. I have your grandmother. I have the ministry. I have this. And I cried and I cried and I kept looking at my husband. I'm like, why is he not awake? Like, doesn't he hear this? I mean, you don't understand. It was like the room was shaking and God himself was there. And I cried. And I tell you, I cried for hours. Hours, thanking God, worshiping God, loving God. My breakthrough didn't come in a revival service. My breakthrough didn't come on my knees. My breakthrough came through someone who gave because they loved us, because they saw a need. And I have to tell you, I was so dead. I was so tired. So, God... God has the power to comfort. And you might think comfort is such a little thing. But you know what happens when you're comforted? Because I wish I could tell you I'm healed. I wish I could tell you that it's not hard to stand up. 
I wish I could tell you that I didn't want to sit down right now because I'm tired. But when God has the power to comfort, that doesn't matter because you know that those walls are going to come down. You have hope. You have strength. You have courage because you know that God hears you, that God sees you, that God knows what you need even before you do it. So just like Pastor Miguel preached, you continue speaking to that situation. I'm not healed, but I'm moving forward as if I'm well. I'm not Oh, my provision isn't there, but I'm going to be a good steward. I'm going to speak in the authority of God. I'm going to let it rise up and I'm going to walk in it. So comfort is a powerful thing. So Siley Drew, thank you. Thank you for blessing my life so abundantly. And I just had to thank them because it was such a powerful thing. And even as I look over to Rebecca, and during that time too, as I looked over here to speak, I remember that she and her husband came and they cooked for me one time when I wasn't feeling well. And that has never happened to me. No one has ever cooked for me when we've been sick. And it was such, I was so overwhelmed. I didn't know what to do. She kept telling me, sit down, sit down, sit down. I'm like, sit down, sit down. You're like in my house for the first time. Let me give me that. You know, like, it was crazy. But God brings comfort when you least expect it when you most need it. So to this morning, I'm here to tell you, God has the power to comfort. Hold on. Now, while I may not yet be completely and totally healed, I know of someone who God has moved through mightily. He ministers powerfully here. So Josh, would you come and tell us how God has the power to heal? God bless, God bless. The power to heal. Let me just tell you, when you're part of the church of a ministry of prophetic and laying of hands in the room out there, you see a lot of miracles. But sometimes those miracles don't come for you. And you're left feeling brokenhearted. You're left feeling like, maybe I just got to do something more to receive a healing. I had recently, um, a couple of years back, me and I got into a car accident. And... Uh, you know, my back, I had like 480 discs. I had like a, a pinched nerve on my left side. And I was out of a job. And the only jobs that were available were jobs that were considered manual labor. And I could not get the job based on the fact that my back was killing me. So I would go to prayer meetings in the, in the side room and, you know, just confess that I'm, I'm, I got pain in my back. And people would lay hands and lay hands and lay hands. And you are healed, brother. <laughs> All that stuff, you know, like you are set free. But nothing. I went through months, like nine months waiting, just waiting for God to do something and not see it happen. Some people wait even longer than that. But as I was waiting and waiting, I, I felt like the pain was getting worse and worse. And I would go into those, the morning prayer before on Sunday mornings and, you know, give out and pray. And, and inside, I was just like brokenhearted. Not only feeling pain, but I was brokenhearted because I was like, why I cannot be healed? Why am I not being the one being, being set free from this? Why do I have to go through this pain? Why, do, why am I out of a job because of this pain? So one day I was sitting there, and I was just like, I just by myself, no one laying hands or anything. I was just sitting to God, and I was like, I doubt you. I doubt that you can heal me. I had to be honest with God. I said, I doubt. I see it happen all the time, but I also see people sick and not healed. So I was like, I doubt you. I might be one of those people that are not, not going to get healed. And I was sitting there, and I kept saying to the Lord, I doubt you, I doubt you, I doubt you. Heartbroken, 
in pain, I just say, I doubt you, Lord. And all of a sudden, I just felt the Lord says, yeah, but even in your doubt, I still, do, I still work miracles. And in my mind, I, 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 just, I remember the story of Thomas where he was like, I know you guys are talking about God came alive and rose from the dead, but until I touch it and feel it, I'm not going to believe it. And I was one of those. I was like, until I see it and actually experience it, then I know it's the truth. And as I was sitting there in my doubt, just automatically, I just felt this warmth over my back. And I was, all I could say, oh, you stop playing. I was like, stop playing. Stop playing. Are you serious? Like, is this fake? Is this just emotions? You know, like, get emotional. You think you're healed, and then you fall down because you're not healed, you know? I was like, are you serious? I just kept saying, are you serious? And I began to weep, and then my wife was like, what's wrong? And I was like, I think I'm healed. I think I'm healed. So, I, you know me, I just want to try to stretch a little bit. I'm going to test it out at first. So I started just stretching a little bit, see if it hurts. I said, no, it's not hurting. But I still feel the warmth in my back, like if something's happening. So I'll just bend a little closer. I just got to, just stepped in faith, started doing push-ups on the floor inside the, in the room. Just, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't lift anything. Just anything heavy was too much. And I just felt the, the, just total healing in my back. And I just went to my wife. I said, oh my God, I got healed. Right after that, I got a job. Got a job because God was like, let me do the process. Let me trust, it, trust in me in those, in those areas. Even though, and, and sometimes when you're sick and you're, and you're, you're, you're in pain, you become brokenhearted as well. Now I'm going to read a scripture that they, they gave us. It says Psalms 147.3. It says, he heals the brokenhearted and bandages up their wounds. Sometimes in your brokenness and in your pain, you got, you got wounds that, that go beyond the actual physical. Because you're waiting on God. And people are encouraging you and, and speaking life into you. But inside, you don't feel that. Because of what they're saying is not adding up to what you're feeling. But I'm going to let you know right now, this is maybe mess with some people's doctrine. Even if you doubt, the Lord is faithful to heal you. The Lord is faithful to do miracles in your life. He knows where you, where you doubt is where he steps in. He's like, good, you're doubting? He said, now I'm going to show my faithfulness to you. I'm going to show how powerful I am because even in your doubt, not to say you're going to doubt all the times, you know, because the Bible speaks about a waving back and forth in the water. But I want to say, like, you know, even when you, when you have trouble trusting God and healing, He's faithful to heal. And um, I'm just going to say this little thing that they... Hold on, sorry. I need the Wi-Fi in here because my phone just stinks. <laughs> it says, God has the power to heal. So hold on. So if you're in pain and you're sick, I'm going to let you know right now. I believe totally that God has not God's will for you to end off like that. That's the, it is not the end. But the healing that's going to come, even through your doubt, even through your frustration, is the beginning of what God is going to do in your life. Okay? God bless. So Daisy had to let go to learn that God has the power to provide. I had to speak to that situation and walk as if it were so to realize that God would provide the comfort. Josh said he had to, that, that area of doubt had to go. And then his healing came. Well, there's another thing that happens that God has the power to do. And this is a biggie. So I'm going to ask you to hold on tight. God has the power to forgive. Hold on. Siley, would you come and tell us how he has the power to do that? God has the power to forgive. 
All right, so I'm nervous, super nervous, okay? All right, so basically for BBS, we're going to be talking about the what happened right before Jesus was crucified. So it talks about exactly what happened to him, um, how Peter denied him, how everybody turned their back on him, and how even though all that happened, while he was on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We all know that Jesus came down, and when he came down, it was to be crucified, you know, but he, was, he came down to be crucified for our sins, and that's how we got our forgiveness, because it was through him that we received our forgiveness. So when I first got saved, um, I had a lot of issues, especially daddy issues, because Really, my mother raised my sister and me up. We were not um, raised by a normal home. It was dysfunctional. Everything was bitter in my house because there was drugs being sold in the home. So everything you touched was bitter. And I thought that's how basically everything tasted. And then my mom was an alcoholic and my dad was like a big shot drug dealer. And he had many women, and I have like 20 brothers and sisters. Some of them I don't know. So I be, when I first got saved, you know, I started going to church, and everybody was like, oh, you know, you need to, you need to know that God is your father and that he's faithful and that he saves. And I was like, but I don't know that. The only image of a father I have is somebody that's never around. So how are you going to tell me that, you know, God is this father to me and he's so awesome and he's faithful and he does all these things. So someone came to me and said, you know what, I believe that you need to be healed and that you need to forgive your father. And I was like, you know what, you're right. All these things I was holding on, I was putting up walls. I wanted nothing to do with certain boys because I was like, no man is going to treat me like they treated my mom. And I became a man hater because I was like, nah, no man is going to come. I'm going to use them. They're not going to use me. So if I want a kid, I'm going to use you to have a kid and I'm going to cut you loose. And I learned that I needed to forgive my dad. And I did. And God gave me the strength to forgive him. But then, as I grew up and I started to go to church, I, taught, I started to learn more. And my mom got really sick. And when she got really sick, she, she was in the hospital. And mind you, my mom was literally 90% of the life she lived drunk, always drunk. I didn't want her to pick me up in school because she was drunk when she would pick me up in school. I didn't want to walk around with her because she kind of did this this thing and I was embarrassed but when she was in the hospital I started to go her liver went bad of course because of her drinking and I started to go to the hospital every day with my six six month old my son was only six months and the nurses and the doctors would say to me listen you need to stop coming because you cannot bring the baby in here so it was basically me and my husband so I had to bring the baby to see her in the hospital and I was like no but I want to come I want to see her. And I was in the hospital, and I was like, why do I keep on coming to see her? She was never there. When I was in the hospital one time, she didn't even come to see me in the hospital. I was left alone. When I was a little girl, I was left alone because I got really sick, and she wouldn't go into the hospital because she was drunk. 
and she would think that they were going to call ACS. So I was like, you know what? I don't care, but I did. I don't want nothing to do with her, but I did. And I went every single day to the hospital, every single day. And God started to touch my heart. And when I saw that she was getting sicker and sicker, one day I went up to her and I said, Ma, you know I go to church and you know I'm safe. So if you ever want to see me again, you have to accept Jesus in your heart because you ain't going to see me again if something happens to you here in the hospital. And she said, you know what? What do I have to do? She was sober. She was sober for the months she was in the hospital. She was sober. And I was able to meet with her. She accepted Christ. And the Lord immediately said to me, I have the power to forgive. That's what he said to me. And you, through love, have the power to forgive. So at that point, I realized that I had unforgiveness for my mom and that through love, I was able to forgive her. And I did. And she died. And I know she's in heaven with God. He kept his promise to me. So I want to encourage anybody that's here. I know that things happen growing up. And sometimes you feel like you can't forgive that person, but forgiveness sets you free. And God has the power to forgive. And through love, you can forgive. So today, if you have that one person that's popping up in your mind right now while I'm speaking, release and forgive and ask God to give you the power. God has the power to forgive. So... Amen. Amen. There's a chapter in the Bible that always kind of, I'm always stuck on, and it's Hebrews chapter 11. And it's the call the faith chapter because it's this great people of faith of the Bible that never got to see what they were promised. And their faith is so great because despite them not seeing what was promised, they continue to believe. They continue to trust. They continue to move forward in the plans of God for them. God has the power to love us forever. You know, Siley held on to Colossians 3.13, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But I want to speak about a hope of what if there isn't the healing? What if there isn't everything that you've been holding on to? God does have the power to love us forever. So Lee, would you please come and share how God can do that? Good morning. John 3:15. Everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. You know, my my perception of eternity as a little girl was I would close my eyes and I would think about forever on the other side of this earth. And all I would see was black because I was a little girl and my eyes were closed. So I would just see nothing. And then I would just start thinking, okay, this is what eternity is like. This is what forever is like. And I would just sit there with my eyes shut, thinking maybe I'd see something else, thinking maybe. And I was a young girl. 
And it was weird that I was actually now thinking about it, sitting in my bedroom as a little kid. Maybe I just had nothing to do that day. I don't know. Just thinking about that and thinking, and then all of a sudden I started getting, like, anxiety. Like, uh uh-oh, this is what forever is going to be like? This is bad. Like, and I would have to, like, snap myself out of it. And after I did that the first time, I would think about eternity again, and that's what I would do. Until the day that I received salvation, until the day that I came to know this scripture, that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, it was one thing that I knew what eternity was, and it was one thing that I knew that God would love me forever. But there was another side to my eternity that I didn't want to just see for myself, but like Sally was saying about when, when, when her mom had passed, my family was not saved. And I had cried out, and I had cried out, and I'll never forget, and, and majority of you know my story, and my, my father and I, we were estranged for 11 years. And so the last time that I saw him, he had become very ill with um, a cancer in his blood, and my brother had said to me, you know, I really think it's time for you to get to the hospital and say your goodbyes. And I did. And when I went, you know, I was shocked at the physical condition of my father. Again, it had been 11 years. And we sat there and I spoke to him. And it just so happens that the day that I came, the rabbi, as you all know that I come from a Jewish family, so the rabbi was set to come in, you know, and, and speak to my father because my father was dying. And I saw a little piece of paper on the side of his bed, and I, and I asked the nurse, well, what is this? She said, oh, the rabbi is scheduled to come in today. I was like, well, did he come yet? And she was like, no. I said, okay. Because I know the rabbi that was about to show up. Because he is the king of kings, the Lord of lords, and the king of Jews. And so I sat there, and I began to speak to my father. And, I, and, and, and there was a part of me that was scared because I felt like I was looking death right in its face. And I began to tell my father about Jesus and I began to tell him that salvation was real. And I began to tell him that there was a promised land on the other side of this earth. And all I know was that tears just started streaming down my father's face. Now the nurses ended up telling me, oh no, that's just because he's dying. So fluid is leaking out of his body. Lie. Lie. I then had a dream. I went home. I had a dream. And in the dream, I saw my father. He was awake and he was alive and he was putting his shoes on and he was getting ready to leave the hospital. So natural. Oh, so in the dream, I said to him, oh, daddy, look, you're healed. Look, Jesus healed you. And he just, he went like this to me in the dream. And I was like, but daddy, what do you mean? I went in and I prayed for you and I told you about Jesus and he healed you. That's why you're well. And he went, so I woke up in the morning and I really did believe that God was going to heal him. And I, I held on to this faith and I went back to the hospital one more time. And when I went back to the hospital, I remember feeling this sinking pit in my stomach. And I knew that was going to be the last time that I saw him. I believed and I prayed healing and I sang over him and I did everything that I could. But I walked out of that room that day and I said, I know this is the last time. And so sure enough, about 24 hours later, I got a phone call that my father had passed away. And I have never felt a pain so strong in all my life. And I sat there and I asked God, but why, but why, but why? And I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, he said, in my mercy, I took him. 
He said, because when you minister to him, he was at a vulnerable place. He knew that he was getting to confront his creator and his maker. And so while his heart was softened to the gospel, in my mercy, I took him. And then that became a worship to God. And I remember that I felt eternity closer than I ever have. You know, the Bible talks about how it's better to be in the house of mourning than in the house of feasting. And that's so that we can be fully aware and awakened and understanding to the fact that one day we will all meet our creator. One day on the other side of heaven, we will come face to face with the one who knit us in our mother's womb, who called us into salvation, who called us into the world to make a difference. And I want to tell you today, even as we were singing during worship and Alice began to say, you know, awake, awake my soul. I was sitting here and I said, Lord, what do you want to tell them today? And right before you started saying that, I heard the Lord say, I want to stir eternity in the hearts of my people this morning. I want to awaken eternity. You don't have to come to a near-death experience with a loved one or even within yourself to become awakened to eternity. And there is an eternity that God is going to love you in forever. And this morning, I want you to know that he who started a good work in you is able to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. John 14 says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever. That advocate is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. He lives in you and he lives with you. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. And he, he was talking to the disciples and he was getting ready to, to be put on the cross. And he said, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live. So I want to tell you this morning, just hold on. Because eternity is closer than what we think. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And I don't want you to be scared of death this morning. I don't want you to be afraid of death for yourself or for your loved ones. I want you to know that on the other side of, of eternity, you will meet your Savior face to face who will embrace you the same way he did on the earth and love you forever and ever and ever. So God has the power to love us forever. Hold on. Amen. Well, those five days, this is what our kids will be learning. It's not little mealy mouth, Jesus loves you. It's real truth, real hope, real belief. And I just want to say to you this morning, and I want to speak to the kids for a second. So kids, if you can see me, what is it? One, two, three, all eyes on me. I want to tell you this morning that these are real people that God has spoken to you. If you're having trouble in school, hold on. He can give you wisdom. If you're having trouble with bullies, hold on. 
He'll give you the ability to fight that. If you're having trouble in your home because maybe you don't have a mom or a dad, I know kids have real problems. I know I had real problems when I was a kid, right? So my first thing is I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask all of us if we could just stand together. But kids, I'm going to ask you to be bold because maybe some of you, even though we're just talking to you today about what we're going to speak through with our kids and worship team, you can come. Maybe you have been relying on self and need some help today because you need to trust in God. Maybe, and I heard this word mentioned all of a sudden a few times with everyone who spoke. Maybe you're waiting for that all of a sudden moment when things will be different in your home, in your workplace, in your body, in your family member. Maybe today you don't understand what they've been talking about, about being saved. Basically, it means that I choose to accept Jesus Christ as my savior. And I agree, I'm going to live by his word, the Bible, and walk in his ways. I want that Jesus today. Maybe that's you who've never made a decision to say, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you need to trust because... You've always felt that if God can hear you, God would say yes. But maybe he's saying, hold on. Maybe he's saying, wait. Maybe you need to step in obedience like Siley and do what God was calling her to do to forgive. And that's something that's hard for you today. But kids, I want to tell you, I know you have real needs and we love you here. So my first thing that I'm going to ask, if there's a child here and you want us to pray for you, please come forward. If you want someone to just lay hands on you and pray with you because you're holding on, come forward. This morning, if you're an adult, and you don't have to be afraid, you can just come. If you're an adult and you want someone to pray for you and you say, I need to trust more. I need to plug in. I want to believe. I have doubt. I'm choosing to move forward. Then I'm going to just tell you, just come. And I'm going to ask our prayer team to come and just begin to pray over people because I believe that this week something powerful is going to be released in our kids, in our homes, in our community. So I'm just going to say, just come. Even Moses needed people to lift them in prayer. So if that's you today and you have a need, just come. And prayer team, if we could just begin to speak words of just encouragement and love and life into them. And I'm going to go down here too because I want to pray for some of our kids, some of our little ones. But I want you to know today, hold on, there is a God that sees you, who knows you, who's called you by name. Hold on. Worth love I can do anything Cause it's you who gives me strength Let's just sing the verse It just says Through you I can do anything I can do all things Cause it's you gives me strength just say nothing is impossible through you blind eyes are open strongholds are broken I am living my faith nothing is impossible through you I can do anything 
is impossible and through you blind eyes are open strongholds are broken I am living my faith nothing is impossible through you I can do anything and I can do all things this is you Through you, blind eyes are open, strongholds are broken. I am living by faith. Nothing is impossible. Through you, I can do anything. I can do all things. Cause it's you who gives me strength. congregation I want, to, I want you to leave here encouraged understanding that nothing is impossible for our God and if you're in a place of doubt 
he is still able to do exceedingly abundantly in your life so before we leave we're going to sing this song I want to leave here with some joy I want to leave here with a little I want to leave here with my head up encouraged that God is real and God is for us See